Welcome to The Strong Room, presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. I'm Herb Hamm. This weekly program features interviews with families and business owners telling their stories and our estate planning professionals presenting timely legal and tax advice and valuable information on charitable giving. Good estate planning is about life and legacy. And that's the theme of the upcoming Macmillan Estate Planning Seminar, Thursday evening, April 24th. This complimentary event is hosted by estate and trust planning specialist, Sherry McMillan. To preview some of the key topics, here is Sherry in conversation with Peter Watts of News Talk 770. A will versus an estate plan. The two are very different, and if you have a will, and I think more people have a will than an estate plan, you don't necessarily have all of the protections that an estate plan can provide. That's right, Peter. So a very interesting statistic is that only one-third of us actually have a will, and I can tell you that only maybe a handful of us have an estate plan. And out of the people that do have a will, only one-third of those families are actually valid in their design. So when you think about that, very, for the most part, we shouldn't be embarrassed if we don't have a plan in order because most of us in the community do not. And this is a common situation because it's a tough topic. Obviously, it's not something you want to do on a Friday. So it is an area that many of us put off, procrastinate, and don't address. But I flip it and talk about the fact a will is simply a death plan. It's about the moment you pass and where your assets are transferred. It is not a living plan. It is not an estate plan. And so it is much more constructive and enjoyable as an experience to build a living plan for yourself and your family so that you enjoy the wealth you create through your lifespan and you're certain that the children that will inherit it one day or the charities are also going to have the enjoyment and the delight of the wealth that you've created. And so if you take that approach rather than a will approach to your estate, it's an exciting endeavor rather than uh, onerous, a thing we don't want to think about. And I do encourage all families to view their estate this way because of these statistics. In Canada right now, there are 4,800 people who are 100 years old. And it is forecasted that in the next 50 years, there'll be over 50,000 Canadians that are 100 years old. We better plan our estates then according to a living plan. Not a death plan. Well, and the and as you say, the, towards the end of life, there may well be health issues. The health bucket better have some assets in it that can be applied to whatever challenges a person faces. I always say you protect yourself first and you're protecting everyone else anyway. So, you know, if you're a married couple and you've protected your lifespan as a group, then when your spouse maybe is left behind and remarries, we're not going to lose that estate to a non-bloodline family because you guys protected yourselves first, and then it's naturally going to come back to your bloodline. And so these are the very important things that we have to give contemplation to, because you're absolutely right, Peter. They were forecasting because it's the first time from a demographic point of view that more people in North America will be over 65 than under. And that's a phenomenon. We've never actually had that happen in our history of mankind. And so I don't think we truly grasp what that will really mean for us in North America from the medical community's point of view, from housing, um, all of those areas. And so I do feel strongly that all of us need to build in safeguards to make sure our affluence is protected Hopefully, we don't need elder care, but what if we do? And we want to be sure we can afford that elder care when we are needing it at the time of crisis. 
Better to plan for it before you need it than have to try and deal with it at the time or later. That's right. And luckily, most of us can do that if we are proactive in our designing. And the other wonderful opportunities we have is it's not just planning for the worst case scenarios, it's optimizing the wealth that we've created. It's actually taking that significance and amplifying it and optimizing it. And that's very exciting. In fact, I share a case study with you. I have a more senior gentleman, perhaps more in his 70s, and I've had the privilege and delight of working with him for a decade. And the interesting part, this is how he views his estate planning, is he comes in every year to do his annual review work, and this is his response. What other things could we do to make more money? (laughs) And I think that is an absolutely beautiful and wonderful uh, position that he's in, that this is now a game of monopoly of life for him. This is not because he needs money. It's just simply, oh, what other creative things does the government allow? What else can we do to optimize? And then you know what he does, Peter, and I think it's just beautiful. He takes the profit that he knows he won't need through his lifespan, and he shares it. And he shares it with his family. He shares it with charity. And he is getting the benefit of seeing where that goes and the delight that it's bringing to others. Rather than waiting in the old traditional way we would, where we give it when we're gone, and then we're not part of that. We miss out on that privilege and opportunity. And I think he's really nailed what estate planning is about because he's really living and he's also sharing while he's living. So it's a beautiful thing. The family cottage, um, an important piece, both from the point of view of its commercial or or real estate value, but also the emotional attachment that a family builds around a summer place. Um, Talk about that a little bit in terms of how you handle it in an estate planning process. Well, it's a very interesting asset, Peter, because it comes loaded. And it is, I suggest to you, the asset that's the most tricky or challenging uh, to design a proper plan around. And the reason being is there is a lot of emotional attachment to it. It's not just a straightforward asset like a particular stock you could sell. So the cottage uh, creates really significance in our lives. We have memories at Christmas there, memories sometimes in the summers with the baby grandchildren, you know, so it has a lot of emotional impact for many of the family members. That being said, one of the primary drives for most families, if they want to preserve their cottage and their family, is how do they do that well? And what they're looking for, Peter, in modern society is a number of things. The first thing is they're very concerned that they don't lose the family cottage, and it's becoming more complex because now the family cottage sometimes is also located in the United States. So they're concerned that the family cottage is not lost to income taxes. And that's a very found uh, concern of many families. And so we have to have a core design around that to be certain that that asset can be preserved despite the tax attachment to it. The second thing that's a really tricky one is family harmony on a family cottage. Because if you don't design properly, you can have disputes over the family cottage. So even as something as simple as what does the word clean mean to each family member um, can be very interpretive, obviously. And so, you know, you have those kinds of practical dilemmas in every family. But then secondarily, you have another underlying risk of family harmony, and that is 
if we donate our cottage one day to our children and grandchildren, in larger families, there's this 50% chance, unfortunately, that one of the family members might experience a divorce in their life. And if that were to occur, what we don't want is that that cottage would be forced to be sold to settle a divorce situation. And many families, unfortunately, without a proper plan in place, have faced this in their life. And so we have many families that come into our office and say, you know, I've seen my neighbor on the lake. They've lost the property to an ex in the family. And obviously, that's not why we create a family cottage in the first place. Luckily, there are pieces of legislation in law that we can wrap around that cottage and tighten up and safeguard and protect and put a fence around it so that really it will be the bloodline of our family that will have use and principles to follow, guidelines, and ultimately a protection from the outside world of all kinds of risks that many of us face. And this is really important in the United States as well, because when you think about the United States, they're much more uh, litigious. You know, they'll sue over many reasons. Absolutely anything. Yeah. So if you're concerned, like we have a property in California or Arizona, and we don't want it lost, then one of the techniques we do is we use trust planning to wrap around that. That's one of our fences that we can create. And by doing that, what we've done is, let's say your roofer fell off the house in the U.S., now they can't sue your family to take that cottage or any part of that cottage away. Well, there, you've, you've introduced a whole bunch of different themes in the course of that little uh, comment about, about the family cottage. The other one that I want to work in is, uh, is British Columbia, where the rules about how a cottage can be dispensed in a plan are different than they are in Alberta. I think it's applicable given the number of properties that people in this community own in British Columbia. Talk about that a little bit. Certainly, Peter. I mean, it probably is surprising to most families to understand that each province has its own legislation. We don't follow federal legislation when it comes to our states. And so it's usually a shock to a family that owns a property in BC to find out they have no right in BC to not provide that uh, value or that estate in an equal proportion to their children. So let's say they were going to favor a particular child who put a lot of sweat equity into a cottage. They actually don't have that legal privilege in BC. They would only have that privilege in Alberta. And so in Alberta, you don't have to treat your children fairly. You I mean, pardon me, you don't have to treat them equally. You can simply treat them fairly. Alternatively, in BC, you actually have to treat your children equally, whether that's fair or not. And so you can see the dilemma that families face when they are trying to hold on to a particular cottage or give that particular cottage to particular members of the family. And you can see why having a plan in this regard makes sense. That's right. So what we encourage families to do is to build around the family cottage the way they would build a normal business plan. So if you look at it as a business, because there's so many partners that are going to utilize and benefit from this cottage, you have to put in parameters. So just an example would be, let's put in a calendar and then everybody gets alternating months and then they can trade those months year by year so that nobody specifically only gets the very best season, let's say July. 
family share program. Yeah, and so you just build in some practical things. You build in a definition of clean. You build in, are we going to hire a cleaner? You're going to build in these kinds of principles and rules and regulations, the same way you would in any business arrangement. And it diffuses the risk of having disharmony. And it also gives the ground rules from a parental authority rather than siblings trying to sort it through in their own right and then being influenced by their spouses contributing to these rules. Sherry McMillan and Peter Watts will be back in a moment. A reminder, the McMillan Estate Planning Seminar is Thursday, April 24th, 7 p.m. To register, you can call 403-266-6464 during business hours or register online at macmillanestate.com. Macmillan spelled M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. This is The Strong Room. <laughs> 